appropriate uses of ChatGPT, and modifying our photos with and without our knowledge. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Dispatch, our weekly newsletter to keep you up on all the latest from Mac Voices. Watch or listen to Mac Voices straight from your email client. Sign up at macvoices.com slash newsletter and stay up to date. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Our Mac Voices Live panel concludes a discussion of ChatGPT and the appropriate uses for it, including what they are and are not individually comfortable with. Then we take a look at things that are being added to our photos and removed from our photos with and without our permission. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. And I can't help but think, as we head into the political season here, with all the speeches that are going to be made, what would what would happen? What would ChatGPT do if you could feed it all the text of all the speeches at the Democratic National Convention and the Republican Repu- and or the Republican National Convention and ask it to summarize? That will be an interesting exercise to, to have done at some point. You know it's going to happen. I know. I, listen, I, I'd love to see somebody do it from the last two conventions so that you know we, we could we could get a, a sense of how accurate it is and how how effective because it could be very effective to get an idea of what was said but then we come back to brian's issues of okay you know what are the citations are these really accurate statements about who said what or are they just summations or conclusions that that the uh the engine derived from all that Right. And I was thinking too, you know, if, if you ask AI to, to summarize something, whether it's a speech, a video, whatever it might be, and you ask it, you know, to pull out the three most important points from this particular speech, well, what, what I feel are the three most important points are going to be different than what other people are going to feel sometimes or what the most important things based on our own experiences, backgrounds, biases that are brought in. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, that's an interesting point, because the, there are not necessarily objective truths in what are the most important points. It may depend on you as the audience member as to what you thought was most important. In its purpose, yeah. Hmm. In that case, it becomes the ultimate group think. Mm-hmm. Whoever programmed it in such a way that how it's going to interpret it. Wow. So now we, now we have Brian saying, depending on who programmed it, programmed it, and Ben is saying it's the ultimate group thing. So does that mean we're going to have political, political engines out there that are going to spin everything one way and then the, another engine is going to spin it the other? I'm pretty sure that's already happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, this is... From a human standpoint, yes, Jeff, but from an AI standpoint? It wouldn't surprise me if if there are different groups that have AI models that are working on exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. Politics is big business, and, uh, and the winners are on the side that uh, 
that get the most people in the places where they want them. So, yeah, with that kind of money going around, it's a safe bet that there are groups that are already working on on that. You know, there, there are nights that we have these discussions on Mac Voices Live that I feel like we are in the middle of a science fiction novel. <laughs> uh, because and, um, we're to the point where science fiction is science fact. Well, that's it. You know, that some of the things we end up discussing that we all are dealing with are things that, you know, I read in high school or college in some some novel that may or may not have been dystopian, but definitely, you know, we're, we're there. And now we're trying to figure out just, well, Jeff, was it you? I forget who, who did the mic drop a couple of weeks ago on um, Star Trek The Ultimate Computer. Um, when we were talking about some of this. I missed that week, I think. <clears throat> okay. So, somebody said when we were talking about, you know, just AI out of control and, you know, the, the, the storyline to that. And if you don't know what it is, folks, go back and look it up. Um, you know, it's not hard to find by any means. But those kind of things, you know, were the topic that were the subject of science fiction novels. And now here we are. Well, Chuck, I remember when I was a kid reading 1984, and I think studying it in school and thinking, you know, this is so ridiculous. Obviously, televisions cannot watch you. (laughs) 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 And they will never be able to watch you. How wonderfully naive, Jim. (laughs) Well, you know, this was in the 1970s. Oh yeah, and, you know, yeah. and I was like, you know, TV is a broadcast medium. You know, it's, you can't, you know, that's never going to be possible that the TV is going to be able to watch you. And yep. yeah, I was completely wrong. So, um, you know, we're also all walking around with tricorders, and mm-hmm. um, you know, everything we almost everything we do is science fiction from the point of. You know, when I grew up in the 1960s and 70s. Think about some of what we're having with in, in the world of television right now, and then compare that to uh, some of the scripts from Max Headroom. Oh, my and God. Max Headroom, <laughs> had, Headroom had scripts? I, <laughs> Chuck, do you remember lines, the episode okay. where, uh, where they have the trial? And, uh, and both sides show up with... With a a floppy disk, and stick it into uh, into a drive, and then the computer, the AI, analyzes the data on both the disks, and then uh, and then passes judgment. And I remember watching that, thinking, "This is absolutely insane!" And what a crazy idea. And but at the same time, I was thinking. What if something like that could happen? And uh, and wasn't it like a couple of weeks ago? Uh, there were headlines about uh, about the first cases where AI is uh, is presenting the uh, prosecution and defense. We're we're this close to uh, to the Max Headroom courtroom. You know, about twenty five years ago, I wrote a piece of. Uh, uh, near future science fiction stuff that at the time felt 
pretty outlandish. Well, I revisited not too long ago. I actually didn't have to change all that much to make it something period piece. God. Yeah. Well, Jeff, to go back to Max Headroom for a second, just you know, the battle over ratings, you know, you right. remember all that. And that just feels like what we're, what we're experiencing now and aspects of reality TV are right in there. I mean, right on point to a frightening degree. Well, and think about the uh, the pirate stations that that were out there broadcasting too. That's uh, the analogy. Now is uh, we are doing that. Podcasting is that uh, that pirate broadcast from uh, uh, from Max Headroom. It just so happens it's not going directly over the airwaves. It's happening on uh, uh, on internet cables. We wow. are the pirates I'm, right here now. Yeah, yeah. I- I hadn't drawn that conclusion at all, Jeff. That's really interesting. There's, you need to go back and watch Max Headroom. Yeah, wrong. again because you'll you'll be watching these episodes and it's like over and over you see something and it just it'll give you pause or to make the the hair in your arm stand up or you'll be like seriously they predicted that that's old now and you know yeah yeah. All right, mateys, I want to get in at least one more before the, before the <laughs> evening. So, and I'm not sure. It, I'm not sure if this this sort of fits in, I guess. Um, but it looks like Samsung has been, shall we say, exaggerating claims about its uh, phone's ability to take photos of the moon, uh, because it's apparently they've been inserting some extra things into those photos to make them look even better. And the way they've been doing it, uh, if if the tests bear out, which some of the subsequent articles I've read since the one I just threw in the chat, um, that they have actually been, if you go out and take a picture of the moon, that the phone is processing it and adding things in that it knows that are on the moon. Wait, uh, a, a company's PR d- department Photoshop something? <laughs> no 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 it's in the software mm-hmm. yeah the, uh, the image rendering from the camera on the phone mm-hmm. is uh is photoshopping if you will as verb the image yeah it's not actually photoshop but yes okay if you pose your samsung phone at the moon it's like oh you're pointing at the moon and it substitutes a picture of what the moon that is not coming from the image that's hitting the CCD. Right. I'm going to take what might be a little controversial opinion on this. If that's what the end user wants, I don't see a problem with it. Um, but first of all, it's not dis- wasn't disclosed. Um, you know, if I wanted an image of the moon from a Google search, I would do an image of the moon from a Google search. I, it's, I'm being told not- that I'm taking a picture, and it, it, that's not what it's doing. That's fraud. So it's it, j- just for the people that might be a little confused. 
it it's not actually going and finding like stock images and giving you those and saying, "Hey, this is your photograph." What it's doing is uh, is analyzing the image, apparently, and saying, "Oh, this is supposed to be the moon. This is what the moon should look like." And then it's generating all the the parts that make it look like a moonshot. Um, isn't that really sort of essentially the thing is? You know, where is it getting that information? So it's, get, That's a it's good getting question. it's pulling information not out of your sensor. So to me, that's essentially it's the mi- same as doing a Google image search. It's mixing uh, data from your sensor with uh, with wherever it got data about what the moon likes looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Regardless, your point about this sounds a lot like fraud. Um, stands i mean even if it's not fraud it is certainly very misleading because if you're taking photos and uh and you're thinking that my camera took this photo and that's not the case that's a problem to ben's point if it's giving you the image you want great that that's that's good for the consumer however it should be clear how you're getting the image. So let me go back and forth on this for a minute. So if I am using a photo to document something that is, and right now, right now it only appears that they've been caught uh, doing this to the moon. All right. But let's say they're doing it to, or eventually start doing it to other things. So that if I take a picture of a grassy field, that I I don't get what the actual grass is, what it looks like from a standpoint of how dry is it, how, you know, how many weeds are in it or whatever. Do I suddenly just get a nice grassy field? And that, that presents a real, real problem. So there it's a negative. Now flip it around. And Jeff, I, Jeff, Ben, David, you know, I think all of you are going to say the same thing, but I can kind of do that right now in a number of different graphic editing pro editing programs where the and the actual feature is replace the sky you get this great shot the sky looks boring okay then let's put a let's put a, a an amazing sky in it and your picture gets even better but then you know you did that but you don't know i did it if i did it and show it to you okay there, there's a difference between um your phone generating an image that you think is uh, is unique and accurate versus you as a photographer editing and manipulating the images that you're uh, snapping. Let's say you enter a picture in a contest and the contest says you can't do any adjustments to the picture to have a valid entry. And you take it with a phone that tweaks the picture. You you are legitimately entering a picture you didn't touch, but it was tweaked. That's not a valid entry. And you didn't know it. That's a problem. Now, all they would well, have to do is disclose that they're doing that, and then it's a feature. Well, the other thing that... I think that um, if if I read the article correctly, or the one I read, and I know there have been several, that 
Samsung was saying, well, we have this 100x zoom and it's just amazing. And this is, and they were using the moon as an example. Right. And it's like, yeah, it, it really is kind of amazing. <laughs> and then you find out that, okay, if I point it to the moon, I get an amazing image. If I point it at David, I don't get quite as, ma- as amazing an image. Well, well, not that David's image isn't amazing, <laughs> but you, know. you need to have David a, a lot farther away, according to yeah. Samsung's camera specs. There you go. You saying that David looks better the farther away we get? Is that what you're saying, Jeff? No, <laughs> no I, I'm saying that it's a limitation of Samsung's technology, and it's very disappointing. Uh, if he gets too no. far away, then you end up with a picture of a moon, and we don't want that. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, I think, yeah, that's the thing is they're saying, oh, we've got a hundred times zoom. You know, we're, it's way better than an iPhone because we can do this hundred times zoom and, you know, see, look here, a hundred times zoom. Isn't that great? So that's why I think it's fraud. All right. I have a question about that. Or at least false advertising. Um, Okay. So Apple with the iPhone. When they tell us that, what is it, like a 12x zoom? They are actually clear about the lens does an optical zoom of, what is it, 2x, 3x, depending on the camera. Right. And, uh, and then 12x, it's, uh, it's interpolating the data. Um, right. So is Samsung being clear about this? And we just haven't seen it because we're not samsung phone users or are they are, are they um leading people to believe that they have a physical 100x zoom lens built into uh, uh, a phone that's less than a centimeter thick today's edition of mac voices is brought to you by the mac voices dispatch our weekly newsletter visit macvoices.com newsletter today sign up and stay up to date Jeff, I think that there are there are several different parts to that question. I'm not sure that everybody understands, unless you're a tech person or a photography person, if they really understand the implications of what it takes to get a 100x zoom. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we've seen digital zoom on, on cameras for a long time now. And, and I'm talking about point-and-shoot. Uh, level cameras where you know it has an optical so far and then you're into digital and we all know that what happens is that eventually you know, it, the, the first couple steps out into digital may be okay then beyond that it starts to get blocky and pixelated mm-hmm. but he, and 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 that has improved and apple has definitely done a great job of improving some of that with superior superior algorithms but well, a, a digital I'm, zoom I'm, is basically cropping. That's part of it. Part but, of it. But Apple but is a, running algorithms that uh, that are trying to fill in the missing pixels, if like you will. interpolate or something? Oh, yeah. They're definitely yeah. doing interpolation. Yeah. And so, but, but Jim, to your point, though, I, I still agree that, you know, I, I think that this borders on very misleading advertising and in the case of the moon photos as a demonstration yeah i'm with you i think it's fraud because that's uh, but the, the damnable part about it is that apparently i can take that 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 phone go out 
shoot a picture of the moon and I can get what Samsung is saying in their advertising, I get. It's just that if I use if I try to use that feature on anything else, I don't get the same quality of result. Is that the way everybody else reads it or am I misinterpreting it? Seems right. Okay. I see head shakes. Well, and and it's even worse in a way because that picture of the moon moon proves that the camera works correctly. If you don't get the same result of a building or you know your kid at a play on the other side of the theater, that's your problem. That's your fault. And that's not true at all. It's the camera didn't really do what it pretended to do. Which goes back to Jim's it's a fraud. Okay. I think it sounds like we have consensus on that one. Somebody write that down. This group never gets consensus. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to try to squeeze one more in here, um, just because it's sort of along some of these same lines, and that is uh, that pick the Google Pixel's magic eraser feature is available now in your iPhone as well as on on the Google devices, and. A, According to all the reports, and I don't know if any of you have had a chance to play with this, but apparently it works pretty well. The only trouble is that you're going to be you're going to have to pay Google a dollar ninety nine cents uh, per month to have access to this feature on the app. So the question I have for everybody here is: Is being able to erase things from your photos worth a dollar ninety nine cents? Because I just aren't there, I mean, aren't there other I, apps that do this sort of thing, like Pixelmator Pro and stuff like that, or I, I, the Photos app? Does the Photos app erase to to this degree? Um, actually, maybe I'm misinterpreting the feature. Is is it? Uh, is, isn't it doing like what you can do on your iPhone, where you're you're cutting out parts of images, or is it? Uh, Doing the doing the Photoshop thing where it removes uh, an object from an image and uh, and then replaces it with the background so it appears as it yeah, wasn't there. That, that. Uh, see, it would help if if I actually read. <laughs> well, Brian, Jeff, is a, Brian? Jeff is, has a write only interface. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian and Eric are both shaking their heads. Yes, so. Do you all know or have, have you had experience with any of this? I know my wife uses the magic eraser on her pixel. Um, she hasn't used it too much though. Um, as far even that for me, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth the dollar 99 a month. I wouldn't use it personally. Eric. Um, yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, I, I wouldn't pay for it. I, I think it's nice to have it as an option. So, you know, if somebody had a Google Pixel and wanted to switch to an iPhone but really wanted that feature, you know, pay a couple of months and then decide it doesn't matter. You could just take two pictures and then select the best one out of the sequence or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's adding a feature, making it available, charging something for it so it still keeps getting developed. I, I have no mm -hmm. problem with that. 
the thing, the reason I brought it up is sort of the subtitle of the article was that, you know, it does this great job, but there's a catch. And the catch is that you have to sign up with Google and there's a dollar 99 cents. And of course, anytime Google, the, the word Google gets involved, then you have to wonder about where's the photo going and, you know, what access is being given to it. And I haven't seen any articles accusing that, but I, it's just something that pops up in my, in my mind. But I, I didn't feel like this was that much of a, in fact, I didn't think it was a bait and switch at all. It's just like, okay, if I want this feature, they're going to charge me $1.99 to have it. And so, you know, I'll have it for as long as I need it or want it, but I'm not being required to have it. It's just that I won't have access to it. So Brad says Pixel made our app on iPhone for $4.99 offers the same repair tool. Much better deal. Yeah, it would be. So mm-hmm. I, I have not, I have not taken that much time to work with anything on my phone to play with it and see just how it works out, but worth bringing up. You know, if, if I'm going to go to that extent for image correction, image manipulation, I want to use an app that's designed for that. That said, I can appreciate that there are a lot of people that want the convenience of being able to uh, to do that in their photo management or camera app, and uh, and so for those people, great. And if the feature works well, great. Um, this, however, is uh, Google's version of this is not something that appeals to me. Jeff, I think it's safe to say that you, I'll pick you up, I'll single out you, and probably there's a segment of our audience out there that are really looking for that professional tool. And then there's a That's segment fair. out there that is is just, hey, it's good enough. You know, the fact that in that particular area where I cut out that that person, if the leaves in the background are, you know, perfectly sharp like all the other leaves, my eye doesn't see it, and so it's close enough, it's good enough. Sure, so. and and for a lot of, a lot of people, these images are going on social media, and yes. when you're uploading an image, say to Facebook, Facebook is going to do their own compression on top of your image, which means whatever it is you upload is not going to look as good on Facebook, and uh, y- you could probably use a rubber stamp tool to take something out, and when and it's obvious, but when it's on Facebook, not so much. Great point. Great point. Guys, we're actually over time a little bit, but this has been a a terrific discussion on a whole wide variety of topics. Thank you all very much for coming and sharing your your opinions and your wisdom in that order. Let's let's go around the room and and, and let folks know where you can be found when you're not here um, pontificating on all this stuff. yeah, I'm going to keep the order I started out with because otherwise I'll get confused. Uh, so that puts David Ginsburg up first, who's been a little quiet tonight. Um, yeah, I hope yeah, I hope yeah. he's okay. I added some comments, but yeah, there's been a, it was a good conversation. So um, okay. people can find me at InTouchWithiOS at InTouchWithiOS.com. I'm happy to announce that Ben is going to be joining our panel as a regular contributor. I, I'm looking excited for that. That's awesome. And uh, you can find us on our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash InTouchWithiOS. I'm here on Tuesday nights. I'm also uh, on the Mac show on British Tech Network on Fridays, and uh, which you're going to have a daylight savings time 
battle for that show uh, <laughs> these few, next few weeks. But uh, and uh, you can find me on Mastodon at DaveG65 and Mastodon.cloud as well as on Twitter DaveG65. Thank you, David. Good to have you. Brian, thank you for uh, for coming back again uh, and sharing your economics knowledge and your tech knowledge and everything else. We really, really appreciate it, especially since you just got off the road. Um, that's that's real dedication. That's real dedication. What's the best way for folks to connect with you? Uh, yeah, uh, best way is probably on Twitter. Uh, my name Brian eight nine four four, and yeah. great. Thanks, Thanks so Thanks much. Pleasure being here. Thank you. Ben, how did David ever talk you into that? <laughs> really easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So in addition to being uh, part uh, now of the In Touch with iOS team, where else can folks find you? Uh, you can find me uh, like uh, Thursday and Fridays on the British Tech Network on the Big and Mac Show. Uh, you can find me on the social medias at Ben Rathig on your platform of choice and my permanently interim website, benrathig.blogspot.com. God, my brain doesn't work. Rathigtech.blogspot. It's on Blogspot. Just find it. Just look up <laughs> Rathig Tech. <laughs> Is that like anything like being an interim CEO? Yes. It's a yeah. lot like that. It's about like okay, I'm, I'm the interim CEO of myself. Okay, that works. <laughs> that works. Jeff Gamut, thank you so much for being here. Um, a lot of a uh, lot of great information, and thank you for being our unofficial researcher uh, to who throws extra links in the chat so we have even better show notes. Um, where where can folks find you? You know, I, I'm glad that uh, that this obsessive thing with. Well, Jim said that, and that's a really good point. I want to know. Mm -hmm. And then I have to go and start doing all this research. Um, so it's paying off because now you have show notes. Um, all right. So where can people find me? Social media, Jay Gamut on basically whatever, but really Instagram and Mastodon, that, that's where I'm posting stuff. Um, and then shows here with you, Chuck, on Tuesdays because you keep letting me come back. And uh, then as long as we're talking interim, uh, I am the interim host on The Big Show on British Tech Network on Thursdays. And um, then the interim host for The Mac Show on British Tech Network again on Fridays. And I've kind of lost track for how long I've been interim host. Years. It's Yeah, yeah years. <laughs> literally years at this point. Um, yes. Okay. And then Dave, for some reason, keeps letting me come back on in touch with iOS. By the way, Ben, I'm, I'm really excited. You're going to be there too. Yeah, um, me too. And, um, then on the context machine with Brian Chaffin, I think that's the stuff. If not, I'll have extra in the show notes just in case. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Eric Bolden, you you also you but and Brian both came off the road tonight just to uh, to be here. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm not going to ask you where you were coming from or going to. I'm just going to say you're here. Thank you so much. Where can folks find you? Uh, uh, I can be found on Mastodon, EA Bolden at uh, techhub.social. 
that's the easiest. Yeah. Great. <clears throat> Thanks so much. Last but absolutely not least, our in-house developer, Mr. Jim Ray. Jim, where can folks connect with you? You know, I noticed that a lot of you are on all these shows, and I'm excited to be exclusive to this show. Can't find me anywhere else. I'm totally Mac Voices. That's it. But you can also find me on the web at ProView.com and on Mastodon at ProViewGym at TechHub.Social. Great. Great. Thank you for signing that exclusivity contract, Jim. <laughs> it's in the mail. <laughs> it's in the mail. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices Live. We do this every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are. You should be in our chat room. We've had uh, some very active conversation in there tonight. Brad's been especially prolific tonight. Thank you so much, Brad, for, uh, for all your thoughts. Uh, and to everyone else that's in there as well. Um, we've, we're slowly but slowly but surely building up a live audience. Now we just got to get them to get in there and, uh, and throw their comments in too. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com Bandwidth provided by CashFly at CashFly.com.